Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. An honor to be with you guys. What a church. You guys know this isn't normal. You guys have an amazing church, um, and God is doing amazing things. And as I'm looking at the future of this church, man, the, the best is really yet to come. Uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. Come on, get up for all your staff, all your pastors. They're amazing. They're amazing people. They serve you well. And how about your lead pastors? Come on, make some noise for Pastor Mike, Pastor Ashton. They're the best. They're the best. I know they're not here today. I appreciate uh, Pastor Mike trusting me with today, and uh, especially in this season that you're in. Um, I've seen your pastor on big stages. I've seen him on small stages. Um, I've seen him in pastor meetings. I've seen him on the golf course. I have seen him in different places. Uh, and here's the cool thing about your pastor. Not all guys are like this. He's the same on stage, off the stage. He brags about you all the time. He loves you. Uh, and so come on one more time. Y'all show some honor for your pastor. Man, show him, tell him. It's just, uh, what a blessing. Well, like I said, uh, my, my name is Brian. I'll show a picture of my family up here. We, we come from Richmond, Virginia, really south of Richmond. I'm about a two-hour and 10-minute two drive from this place, uh, just a little north. And, uh, uh, and so y'all, y'all get it. I got four women in my house, so y'all pray for me if you think about it. Uh, my mini-me, I don't know if you can tell that's my son, but that's my mini-me, uh, and then my dog. My, my wife likes the dog better than anybody, and so we're dog people. Um, my, my daughter on the far uh, left over there, you're right, uh, just started high school, like like just started high school, and so I picked her up on her first day, kind of nervous. You know, dads are always nervous, like hoping it goes well. Um, I said, Gracie, how was day one? How did it go? Uh, and she said, Dad, it wasn't easy. And so now I'm thinking, like, now what do I need to say? I'm going to have to encourage her. Uh, and uh, I said, well, why wasn't it easy? This this will let you know my life. She says, Dad, it's just not easy being so pretty. It's just not. It's just not easy. Y'all pray for me. Come on. That's my life. That, that's what I got to go through. So how many are you ready for God's word? Come on, say amen. Make some noise. I come from a, I come from a, a talk back church. Pastor Mike said this is the service that I'm going to hear back from you guys. And so uh, my, my church is, uh, we planted it 10 years ago. Um, and God has done some miracles. And I'm not a traveling speaker. I'm just a local pastor. But I love the church. I love the potential of the church. I love the hope of the church. Um, and today I'm just going to share uh, from what God's put on my heart, but also share some testimonies. Um, and uh, the Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That means we overcome because of what Jesus did and what he's doing in us. And so how many have a testimony today? And I'm, I'm going to share some stuff today. Uh, and really, if God's done it in my life, he can do it in your life. I believe with all my heart. Well, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn uh, to the Gospel of Mark. That's really the only place we're going to be today is the Gospel of Mark. Um, at my church right now, we're studying the Gospels. Uh, uh, we're in a series just called the Gospels. I've asked our whole church to read with us through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch the Chosen series. Let's dive in uh, to the Gospels. And so we've been preaching on it. Uh, and I read the Gospels every year. I encourage you to do that. Um, and uh, But every time I read it, I say, God, uh, would you show me something I've never seen before? How many know God can do that uh, as you pray that? God, show me something I've never seen. And so today, um, I just want to share something with you as I've read this. This is just new uh, for me. Um, what I've noticed is, is like, man, the gospel story is so powerful. God does miracles in Matthew. God does miracles in Luke. God does miracles.
miracles in John, but what I noticed about Mark is that there are more gospel stories, I mean, more miracle stories in Mark than any of the other gospels. Let, let me catch you up. Let me give you a quick overview of the gospel of Mark, the miracles. In Mark chapter one, Jesus cast out a demonic spirit. He heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever and a sickness. Some of you would not want Jesus to do that for you. And in chapter one, there was a man with a contagious disease. Actually, this is crazy, more contagious than COVID. And Jesus did something very controversial. You know what he did? He walked up to a contagious person and he touched them. And the moment he touched them, he was healed. That's the power of Jesus. In chapter two, he forgives a, a paralyzed man. These guys lowered him, cut a hole in the roof of a church, lowered him down. And Jesus, because of the friend's face, said, your sins are forgiven. And he heals them. Uh, he goes on to calm a storm. He says, peace be still. And a storm calls. In chapter three, God, Jesus is preaching. And there's a man with a shriveled hand. And he asked the man by faith to stretch out his hand. And when he stretched out his hand, like he was completely healed. All his fingers came to life, his ligaments, he was completely healed. In chapter five, there was a suicidal, demonic, possessed man that God completely heals and completely sets free. There was a woman with a 12-year issue of blood. She didn't even ask Jesus to pray. She says, if I can just touch a little part of his clothing, I'll be healed. She fights through the crowd, touches his garment, and instantly the healing power of Jesus. How many believe just by being in the room today that Jesus can heal you today? I believe it. At the same time, he was on his way because there was a dad who had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying. On the way, the daughter died. The guy said, uh, one of his friends says, listen, leave Jesus alone. She's already dead. But Jesus said, don't worry. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Jesus goes to the house and brings her back to life. In chapter 6, he takes a lunchable from a kid, blesses it, and feeds 20,000 people. Come on. Jesus can do it. He says that he does this. After that, he walks on water in the middle of a storm, calms the storm. In chapter 7, uh, there's a guy who's deaf and mute. Jesus does something kind of weird. Uh, he spits on his fingers, puts his fingers, his wet, I call this the wet willy miracle. He puts his fingers in his ears and says open, and his ears were immediately open, and he could talk for the very first time. In chapter 8, he healed, he feeds 4,000 people with seven pieces of bread. He heals a blind man. In chapter 9, there's a guy who's demon-possessed, half-naked, living in a cemetery. Come on, guys. If Jesus can save that guy, he can save anybody. Heals him, sets him free, and then calls him into ministry. It's amazing. Chapter 10, he heals a blind beggar. And then the final chapters, chapter 15 and 16, the greatest miracle, I think, personally, that ever happened. Jesus hangs on a cross, bearing all your sin and shame and guilt. They put him in a grave, but on the third day, he overcomes the grave bringing healing and salvation. Come on, can somebody give God praise? He's a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God. And if Jesus did it 2,000 years ago, I believe he can still do that here today. Here's the title of my message today. It's really simple from the Gospel of Mark. My title is Marked by Miracles. Marked by Miracles. How many you believe that God wants to mark Focus Church with the miracle powers of God? 
God wants to mark your life personally. David said it like this, as I follow the Lord, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. As I follow God, miracles will follow me. That, that's what I believe. And so, well, listen, get a tattoo if you want, but God wants to supernaturally mark your life with the power of God. And he's here to do it today. I've seen God do it in my life. I've seen him do it in our church. Just two weeks ago, uh, we had a baby dedication. We're praying for all these families. Uh, one of the boys on stage, I didn't know this, uh, was two years old and never walked a day in his life. After we, my wife, I prayed, but my wife's laying hands on all of them. As a matter of fact, that day, I've never seen her do this. She actually grabbed the feet of every baby and prayed over them. After the baby dedication, dad calls me afterwards, says, you're not going to believe this. My two-year-old son, who has never walked a day in his life, is running around our house. Come on. How many know our God is a miracle-working God? And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And if he can do it at destination, we've seen so many miracles. You better believe that miracles are coming for the future of Focus Church. I just believe it with all my heart. Well, I just want to focus on just one of those many stories. Uh, I call it the Lunchable Miracle. This is the story of Jesus feeding uh, about fifteen or 20,000 people with just a few pieces of bread and fish. It's found in Mark chapter 6. Because what I see is this. Uh, yes, Jesus gets all the credit for the miracles. But how many know God uses people to do his miraculous work. And in this story, Jesus does something unbelievable. He takes just a few pieces of bread and fish and feeds 20,000 people, and there's leftovers. But really, if you dive into it, there was a part that the disciples played. And I believe that God, I'm declaring it and prophesying that miracles are coming to this church. I believe it's not just about a new building. It's about a new season. It's about a new harvest, new people coming, marriages being set free, drug addict, drug addicts being completely delivered, suicidal people finding hope in Jesus Christ lost sons and daughters, teenagers giving their life to Jesus, being called. Miracles are going to happen, but how many know you and I play a part? We play a part. Uh, let's look at it together. Verse number 34. Uh, now here's the setting. Jesus and his disciples have been doing ministry for days. If you read the first part of the chapter, it actually says they went on tour. They were like the first people to ever go on tour, a ministry tour. And, and if you get down to this chapter, what happened was they were so busy. There's a verse that says, Jesus says, hey guys, we got to find a remote place. We got to get away. We have been so busy. We haven't even had time to eat. Uh, like rest or eat. And so they got in a boat, they went across the lake and their goal, get this in your mind, their goal was to go to the most remote place they possibly could. Let's get away from everybody. Let's have some downtime. Let's have some rest time. We'll catch some fish. We'll recharge and then we'll go back and minister to the people. But what they didn't know is that when they made it to the wilderness, that remote place, 20,000 people showed up. This is like the original Woodstock right here on the other side of the lake. Jesus shows up and instead of being annoyed, look what it says in verse 34. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He wasn't annoyed with them. What does it say? He had compassion on them. How many believe God wants to give us compassion for a lost world? Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So what did he do? Even though he was tired and hungry, Jesus began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and says, look, Jesus, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now, how many believe Jesus knew what time it was? Come on, Jesus wasn't unaware. How many know Jesus knew there was no Chick-fil-A around, there's no fast food around? Like, this was a remote place. 
Now look what Jesus said to them because I feel like this is what the Lord is wanting to speak to Focus Church today. He looks at his disciples, and I believe he's looking at you today, and he says this, you see the crowd, you feed them. You see the crowd, you feed them. Now, how many believe that Jesus like, would never ask us to do something he didn't think we had the potential to do? And, but you know what's crazy? Jesus knew they had no money, no food, no nothing. It's a remote place. But he says, you feed them. You know what he was doing? It's what he's doing today. He's drawing faith out of us. He's drawing faith. Now look what he says, with what? The disciples say, with what? I, I know your pastor is like, hey, we're building this building. We're believing debt-free. We're believing for $2 million. And y'all are like, that's awesome, but with what? I know pastor's like, let's make some big commitments. But you're like, pastor, you haven't seen my bank account. With what? Now look what the disciples say. I think we answer the same way. With what? We would have to work for months to earn money to buy food for all these people. Now look at what Jesus said. I think it's the next question he's asking us. He looks at him and says, well, how much bread do you have? You know what I believe God is saying to our church today? You feed them, and you're saying with what? And God's asking you, well, what do you have? What, do you, what can you bring? What can you bring? Do you know if you'll bring to God what you do have, God will bless it with what he has. And when he blesses it with what he has, he has the power to feed a, a community. And he has a power to bless you in the same process. And, and look what it says. So look what they did. Go and find out, Jesus says. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat them down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving and giving and giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to all the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate, every single one of them, all 20,000 of them, ate as much as they wanted. Can you imagine how much food this is? This is unlimited buffet for 20,000 people. Now look what it says. It says, and afterwards, the disciples, who, who? the disciples picked up how many baskets? Say with me. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men plus their families. That 5,000 plus at least two, 15 to 20,000 people ate as much as they want. And afterwards, there were 12. How many disciples were there? There were 12. God asked 12 disciples to bring what you have. 12 disciples brought what they had. God blessed it, fed 20,000 people, and every disciple left with more food than they even came with. How many believe this, Focus Church, that there are more than 20,000 people in this community that need to be fed the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are thousands of people that are hungry and starving for hope, and God is saying, you feed them. And you're saying, with what? And God is saying, what do you have? And if you'll bring what you have, God will bless it with what he has. And not only will he meet every need in this community, but you'll walk home with more than you brought to the table. Come on. Can we give God's word some praise today? Come on. Let's give God's word some praise. I love the story. I love the story. And I love the idea that it is Jesus that gets all the glory for the miracles. It is all about Jesus. This church is all about Jesus. But God wants to use you to bring what you have to the table so that he can bless it and feed a whole community and bless you in the process. Uh, this, this idea of miracles, God wants to mark you with miracles, but here's what I see in this passage, that it was the generosity. You say, what's the key to bring miracles? It's generosity. Here's really my one thing to know today. 
today, if you're asking for notes, is this statement right here. Generosity generates the miracles of God. Let me say it again. Generosity will generate the miracles of God. There is no miracle unless they brought some kind of generous gift. And you know what the truth is? You're like, man, it wasn't even that much. Can, can I tell somebody it's not about the amount that you give? Because can I tell you for what they, it was everything they had. It may not have been much, but it was all they had. And God blessed it, multiplied it, met a need. And it reminds me, I, I believe this is the story for your future, but it was also the story of ours. Uh, about five years ago, uh, uh, we were already five years as a church. We're a 10-year-old church. We're growing like crazy. We're in three campuses. We're at a, at a movie theater, at a mall. We're at a middle school. Uh, and then we're in a shopping center. We had overtaken a, a closed-down movie theater. So we got three campuses, but no money, because I don't preach on money. I wasn't really strong on doing that. And God had to teach me a lesson and he was about to teach me a lesson. And right in that shopping center by our third campus, uh, a grocery store, a massive space came available. Uh, and the owners of the shopping center said, Hey, we would love to have you guys here. Well, I knew what I was paying for 8,000 square feet. This was almost 65 to 70,000 square feet. So I didn't even look at it. I just said, no, I, I knew what I could afford and what I couldn't afford. Uh, but how many know your math and God's math never line up? Come on. And so they just kept asking, and God had to use unbelievers to bring faith out in me. And so I walk in, and I say, I can't afford it. And they say, well, just make an offer. And so I literally said, fine, it's not going to cost me anything to make an offer. And so I made an offer less than what I was paying for all my portable campuses, uh, and they accepted the offer. I said, that's great. Thank you for accepting the offer. But this is just an empty building. What am I going to do with an empty building? And they said, well, we'll hire a, an architect to just draw some, some drawings, and you can have it bid on. I was like, that's fine. If you're paying for it, it's not going to hurt me nothing. So let's draw the, the lines as we drew, drew it up. Uh, we had it bid on. The first bid, $8 million. Uh, I didn't have, like, anything. The second bid, $4 million. The lowest bid, $1.5. Give it up for the lowest bid. Like, let's go lowest bid. And uh, the bad news was the 1.5 was the lowest bid. The worst news was I didn't have 1.5. I didn't even have 0.1. I mean, we were just going. Uh, I believe in nonprofit for a reason. I mean, we were just spending money and going. And uh, But God, I, be I felt like God was in this. And so I said, well, man, 1.5. I said, I don't have that much money. And so the owners of the shopping center said, well, we want you guys here. We're going to give you about $600,000 of that to do whatever you want. I said, well, that sounds amazing. What else are you going to do? They're like, that's it. And so we called a bank. We, we called a bank, and so uh, I said, hey, listen, we need about 700, 750,000 to finish this project, and, and so they, they, they pre-qualified us, gave us a letter, so I signed the contract, and I'm happy. We're praying and fasting, and, uh, and we're starting the demo, uh, and then I'll never forget this 24-hour period on a Wednesday. Uh, the contractor, GC, came to me and said, Pastor, I got some bad news. I was like, I don't like bad news. What's the bad news? He says, well, we kind of messed up on the bid for the air conditioning units, and we thought all of them were working and not all it's going to cost you a half a million more than what we told you and I was like man I, I don't know where we're gonna we had nothing in the account at all well the next day I'm stressed out about that but the next day my stress went to another level because the bank called me the very next day and the bank said pastor we did a little digging I said I said stop right there don't do any digging he said we did a little digging and and you're too young of a church and you don't have enough equity we can't lend you the money I was like like half of it they said none of it I can't give you any of the money so in 24 hours we lost one point like two million dollars in a project we already started that was supposed to be done in 10 days. Come on, y'all give God some praise for that because that's going to make you pray. And so I was praying and uh, you know what God said? It was this passage right there. I'm look, I said, God, how are we going to take care of 1.5, 1.7 million dollars? And you know what God said? God's funny. He's like, he said, you feed them. 
I was like, God, what are you talking about? He says, you, you, I want you to take care of it. I'm like, God, like, like you must not know what I make here at this church. Like, I don't have 1.5. You know what God said? What do you have? He says, bring me what you do have. I'm like, what are you talking about? Bring me what you do have. Like, like how much do you have? And I was like, you mean like everything I have? And he's like, yeah. And, and I look, and I shouldn't have looked, but I look, and I had $10,000. That's all I had at that time, $10,000. You know what God says? He goes, that's fine. I'll take that. And I said, that's not God. That's Satan. Get behind me right now. I was like, that's not God. And, but how many know when God speaks, like, like it, it doesn't go away. And like three days later, I'm like having this internal fight with God over $10,000. And, and I'm like, God, that's not. And, and finally I said, fine, I, I know that's you. God, I'll give you $10,000, but I need to deal. Anybody try to barter with God? God, like here's 10,000, but, and I said, God, I got two conditions. Number one, what is, what is five loaves and two fish for 20,000 people? What is 10,000 compared to 1.5, $1.7 million? I need you to take care of this bill. And number two, and more importantly, you're like, what's more important than that? God, I need you to tell my wife the exact same thing. Come on, come on, somebody. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so I sat on that prayer for two weeks. I didn't write the check for two. I just prayed, God, take care of this. And finally on a Friday, we're doing our money and our bills. And I felt God say, it's time to write the check which means it's time to tell your wife. So I sat her down. I'm kind of getting ready to kind of pull her off the floor after I tell her this. And I said, babe, I, I know this is crazy. You know what's going on in the church. I feel like God has told us to give everything. We got our 10 grand in savings. Just give it. Um, and she started crying, but not sad tears, like tears of joy. And she goes, that is the most crazy thing. Like God spoke those very words to me last night. Come on, isn't God amazing? God's so good. And so I began to tell our, our team that story because here's what, what happened. God said, like, Brian, you, you are really good at, you've been faithful at your tithes. You've been faithful at even giving offerings. But I'm asking you to be spirit-led. I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do and now lead your church to do the same thing. And so I cannot explain how it worked. Like I said, my math and God's math never line up. I never had anyone write like a half a million check or a million dollar check, even really a hundred thousand dollar check. But in 10 months time, every time we had a bill, we had just enough cash and we walked into our new building completely debt free, just like I'm believing you guys are going to walk into yours. You know, what, you know what God told me? God, God told me this. I brought you this building not to really grow the church. I brought you this building to teach the church how to be generous because you haven't been doing that. And now you have the pressure to do this. And God said, whoever pays for the building, my house will be blessed. He said, if the banks pay for it, come on, interest, they will be blessed. But if my people pay for it, they will be blessed. And God has shown that so faithful. Four years later, we're, we're financially better than we've ever been in our life, and we're seeing miracles happen after miracles after miracles after miracles. Here, here's the illustration God gave me. I want to ask uh, Pastor Mike to help me out with this. Is uh, One of the things God showed me was this thing called the generosity ladder. We were building, so I thought, man, I need a building tool. And so we got this ladder, and God showed me uh, this, that, hey, there are five levels to giving, and I want you to teach your church to climb the ladder. And so what I want to do to you, today is just show you what I taught our people. Um, and here's my, my, my ask for you today is that whatever level you're on, just go to the next step. So if you're on the ground, just at least go to the first step. If you're on the first step, go to the second step. And here's what I'll tell you. This has nothing. This is not a stairway to heaven. Come on, somebody. Like you cannot give your way, give your way uh, or pay your way to, to heaven. This is not what this is about. Like, like salvation is a free gift. This isn't a have to. This is a get to. This is not about how much do I love Jesus and how much he loves me. It's how much do I trust Jesus. 
This is about my faith, not my love or relationship with God. You don't ever have to give a dollar to Focus Church, and this church will love you, serve you, take care of you. This is not a heaven and hell issue. This is a blessing and obedience and a faith issue that God is trying to encourage this church to go into. And so let me give you the, the, the steps. Here's the first one. It's real simple. I, I just called this. This is so, like, this is so deep, you guys. It's called the first-time giver. This is someone who has never given to the church before. Can I tell someone, if you've never even given a dollar, can I tell you, like, do it today? And I know, I don't care how small the gift is, for you to do that is a huge step of faith. And I want to encourage you, what a perfect time right now to jump in and just take that step of faith. Here's the second one. Unfortunately, this is where I believe most people always get to and never pass is this step right here. You know what I call this one? And here's what's crazy. It looks like I'm a little high. Like we feel good about ourselves. Like we're up here. I'm not a first time giver. Now I give some, but here's where most people always get to and always stay. I call it an emotional giver. You know what an emotional giver is? Uh, You give when you feel like it. You give what I want. I'm going to get, if I'm on this, this level, here's how I define it. I give what I want, how much I want, to who I want, when I want, if I feel like it, if I don't. It's all about me, 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 and how my feelings. How many know God does not want you to be a reluctant giver? He doesn't want you to be an emotional giver. He wants you to pre-decide. He doesn't want you to give when you feel guilty. He doesn't want you to give when you feel good. He wants you to give because it's the right, faithful thing to do, and you trust him with all of your heart. It's not emotional giving. You know, I can tell you this. Um, some of you go to those grocery lines, and they they kind of bait you like, hey, would you like to round your chain change up to like feed the poor, and you're like, and you feel so prideful and bad that you do it every time. Can I tell you, I tell those people no every single time. Why? It's not, listen, it's not because I'm, 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 I'm very generous because I'm up here. I have pre-decided what I'm going to do. I'm trying to set somebody free from your emotions today um, and walk in obedience. Here's the third level, and uh, this is a high one, but I can tell you, some of you think this called the tithe. Y'all pray for me as I climb this ladder. I, I am a little fearful of heights. But this, this third level here, how many know going from the floor to this level is a big deal? Come on, let's be honest. Like, like if you're going, what is a tithe? It's bringing 10% of your income to the local church. And if you're not giving at all or you're an emotional giver, this is a massive step of faith. But some people think this is the highest level. I'm here to tell somebody this is actually the lowest biblical level you can be on. That, that literally God doesn't want you on the first two. God wants you at least on this step right here. Let me tell somebody about tithing. Tithing is God's business plan for his church and his blessing plan for your life. Do you know God, some of you are business leaders, you know God would never start a business without a business plan. He started the church with a business plan of mine, and it's called the people of God bringing their tithe to the local church. You know what God says? If you will bring your tithe to the local church, not only will there be food. Think about this passage we just read. Not only will there be their food in my house, God says there will be so much blessing in your house, you'll have to rent storage units to hold all the blessings that God brings to your life. This is called the tithe. Come on. And so I'm going to climb down here. Can y- do y'all think I can go higher? I don't know if I can go higher. Um, here's, here's the next one. Um, it's called offerings. Now, some of you are confused about the level of this because I want to tell everyone here, um, hate to bust any bubbles, but if you're not tithing, you're not also giving an offering. Because some of us think, well, I'm not tithing, but I'm going to give an offering. No, you can never give an offering until you first tithe. Like you're still an emotional giver. So tithe is bringing 10%, but offering, y'all please pray, please pray. I do not want to die here today. All right, so y'all give it up. Come on, I made it. This is pretty good. This is faith. This is faith. This is faith. It's not about me loving God. It's about me trusting God. Here's, here's the deal about offerings. The, the tithe goes to the local church. The offering can go anywhere I want it to go to be a blessing to someone to show them the love of God. 
So I can give someone a free coffee. I can buy someone lunch. I can take care of a homeless person. I can bless hungry kids, including my own. No, I'm just kidding. But I can do whatever. It could be the For the Future campaign. But can I encourage someone this, like, like this, get, it takes faith to climb this ladder. How many of you want to see the very last one? You know what the last one is? Listen, I, I've been a tither my whole life. I've been an offering person my whole life. But until four years ago, I have never walked this high because that $10,000 gift, you know what it was? It's spirit-led giving. Can I get some help up here? Because I just really don't want to die. Some of y'all want to see me climb up here, and I, but I just need to make sure someone's holding this ladder. If I'm, or so, somebody going to hold it? Come on. So, all right, you guys are great. Come on, can y'all drum roll or something for me? This is scary. This is scary. If I fall, this is on you. Okay. Okay, y'all give it up. All right, I'm coming down. Okay, I'm coming down. I'm coming down. That's all I needed. And by the way, by the way, God is not calling anybody to live up here. He's calling you to be here and here, and, and when you can, come up there. And, and let me tell you this. If I'm on the floor, what is spirit-led giving? Here's, it's the opposite of emotional giving. Emotional giving says I give what I want, when I want, to who I want, how much I want. Spirit-led giving says I give what the Spirit of God tells me to give, how much he tells me, when he tells me, to who he tells me to give it. Come on, that is spirit-led giving. Here's the crazy thing about that. You'll never hear God speak to you if you're all the way down here on the floor. Listen, the only reason I heard God say, give me that 10 grand was because I was up here close enough to hear the still small voice of God. You know what's better than giving, hearing the voice of God? Being being close enough to hear the voice of the God is the greatest thing you could ever do. So here's the application today. Wherever you are, take the next step. Wherever you are. And let me encourage you today why this is so important. I just want to share three things really quick why it's important to climb this ladder. Number one, here's, here's what it is. It's not about how much you give that impresses God. It's how high you climb. Say it again. It's not about how much you give that impresses God. It's how high you climb. Listen, you say, well, 10%. Yeah, God may be after 10% of your income, but he's after 100% of your heart. And he's after 100% of your faith. You know, there's a story in the Gospel of Mark. That's where we're landing today. Mark chapter 12 says Jesus sat down near the, the collection booth in the temple, and he watched the crowds drop their money in. Jesus was watching what people gave. I think that's important to know. He goes on to say, then many rich people put in large amounts. Many rich people put in large amounts. Can you get the story? That did not impress God. It did not impress God when rich people put in large amounts. What impressed God? Keep reading. Then a poor widow came and dropped in her two small coins. Jesus called the disciples. Guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. You're not, like, think about this. He's watching rich people put in a lot of money. But then a widow drops two mites. He's like, disciples, you got to see this. Like, like, not a big deal the rich people gave. You're not going to believe what I just saw. I just saw a widow give two coins. I'm sure the disciples were like, Jesus, like, what about all those rich people that just dropped in all that money? Look what he says. He goes this. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. The rich people tithed 10%, she gave 100%. It doesn't impress God the amount of money you give. It impresses God how much faith you have. That story 
actually happened in my life about five years ago. It was the first really big generosity story of our church. Uh, we're trying to launch that campus in the school I was telling you about, our third campus. Uh, we only needed about 50 grand to do it. I didn't have it. I only had about 10 or 15 grand. Um, I, I literally told the staff in the church on a Sunday, guys, I know we said we're going to launch, but we're not going to launch. We don't have the money yet, so we're going to wait. Remember, I wasn't really teaching on giving, so this was not the church's fault. This was my fault. Um, but I remember on that Wednesday, kind of down and depressed about not having the money, and then in walks a 23-year-old Latino immigrant who'd been coming to our church. She was very quiet, really didn't even know who she was. She walks in. She goes, Pastor, I was so sorry to hear about this campus not opening. Um, and she goes, I just felt God told me to give you something for this campus. And I'm like, oh, sweetie, you're so sweet. 23-year-old, uh, you know, immigrant girl. Like, they, like, how many know even pastors judge, like, what people can do? And, and she pulled out a check, and I opened the check, and it's a check for $35,000. I look at the check, I look at her. I look at the check, I look at her. And I'm like, I think I said thank you, but she was so quiet and shy, she walked out. So I grabbed her and said, can you please come back in? I need to know your story. And I was like, how did you get $35,000? You gotta understand, this was everything I needed to launch a campus. This one 23-year-old girl was about to fund this entire campus by herself. And I said, where did you get that money? You have an awesome job. Did you inherit it? I'm like, and she goes, so what do you do for a living? She goes, oh, I'm a nail tech. I was like, a nail tech? She goes, oh, I, yeah, I do pedicures and manicures for a living. This is my entire savings for the last five, six years that I've been here in America. I moved here, got this job. And then she said this. She goes, Pastor, this was my, I was saving for my future college fund so I could go to college. Came here to America, got a job. And, and I, listen, listen, I appreciate people's gift, but I'm a father of four kids and I know how much college costs. I said, thank you so much for your heart, but I am not taking this money from you. You've got to go to college. And she said, Pastor, I've got to be obedient to God. I'm not listening to you. I'm not emotional, she said. She had no emotion. She goes, I'm not emotional. God told me it would be better in your account than my account. I said, well, if you're demanding it, to, I'll, I'll accept it. I'm like, like Wayne's World, I'm not worthy. Like I'm, like, like, I'm not worthy of your faith. And she goes, I just have one request. I was like, sure. Like, what is it? She goes, just do whatever you can to reach Latino people in our community for Jesus Christ. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Single girl, single 23-year-old girl. Can I tell someone, it doesn't impress God how much you give, it's the amount of your faith. I said, well, I've got one request for you. The Bible says wherever your money is, there's your heart. So I, if you're going to help me fund this campus, I need you to go join this campus and be on the launch team. Can I tell you what God did for that young girl in less than four years later? Uh, listen, it's been about five years ago. She joined the launch team. On that launch team, on the worship team, was a single young Latino guitar player. They met, fell in love, got married had a baby. Now, four years later, they are the leader of our Latino ministry, reaching Latinos in our church. Do you see what God did? The very gift she gave, she gave everything she had, yet God gave her a husband, a child, and the very thing she asked us to do, she is doing. You say, well, that's pretty awesome. That'd be worth the gift. That's not done yet. Uh, about a year ago, I, I shared that story uh, in front of a 1,000 pastors at a church plant conference. Your pastor was there, and I said, this, this is great, and we're trying to raise money for church planting. I said, come on, y'all. If a, if a 23-year-old uh, single immigrant can help plant churches, we can plant churches too, right? And, uh, and so, but you know what they did? Do you know what that money was saved for? That money was saved for her what? 
for her college. She gave up her college fund, found a husband and a kid, but God wasn't done with this story. I didn't even know about it, but there was like a board member of one of the Assemblies of God colleges that was there, walked on stage and in front of everyone, gave her a full scholarship to Southeastern University that is worth more than $60,000. Come on, somebody, give God praise. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Here, here's the second one. How many know you can't outclimb God? You, you just can't. Some of you think, well, I'm just going to give, 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 and I'm going to outgive God. You just can't. I, I want to tell somebody just my own personal testimony four years later. Uh, do you know what, how much God has blessed me? I gave everything I had for you. For your, I was just thinking about this on the way down here. This last year, God has not only returned. God has not only doubled. God has almost tripled everything that I've given. I tithed. I gave more last year. Think about this. Than, than almost four times the amount that God gave, asked me to give four years ago. God has literally brought people in my life and grown our ministry. That God's doubled my salary. God's blessed me in so many ways, given me other opportunities. And I'm sitting here thinking like four years ago, like what I'm making now is I, I tithe now what I made 10 years ago. And it's nothing but the grace of God and the anointing of God. Can I tell somebody, you cannot outgive God. And guess what happens now? God just asked me to give more and to give more and to give more. But I can tell you my faith muscles, God has proven to me, proven to me you can't outgive God. If you go back to Mark, there was a guy who was young and rich that loved Jesus and wanted to follow Jesus. Young and rich and wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm all about it. But here's what you got to do. You got to go sell everything and follow me. And he turned away and walked away sad. Why? Because he had so much to give up. But what he did not realize was this, is that you can't outgive God. Can I tell somebody, if I could kiss, and I think if you could talk to the young rich guy right now, he would say, man, I missed a deal of a lifetime. I missed a deal. Because if, even if that rich young guy gave everything, can I tell you, he would have gotten it all back and, and more. I don't know if he's in heaven now. I hope he is. But can I tell somebody today, I don't know what God's asking you to do Friday night or in this commitment. But you, listen, God will never ask you to do something more than he's willing to turn back and do for you. He, he looked at his disciples. Right after that moment in Mark chapter 10, verse 25, he turned to his disciples and said, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You ever heard that verse before? It is harder for a camel to go through that. How many of you know what the eye of the needle is? Like some of us read that and we don't even know what the eye of the needle means. We're thinking like a needle that you sew with. How could you fit a camel in that? That's not what God was saying, Jesus was saying. Like I have a Jewish rabbi friend, so I ask him all the time stuff like this that I don't get. I said, I said, Rabbi, what is the eye of the needle? And he shows me this picture right here. This is the, the picture of the eye of the needle in Jerusalem at the temple. That literally there's a gate and a door that's called the eye of the needle. That is, you know what this is? This is old school security. Anybody flown lately where you got TSA? You got to take off your backpack, take off your shoes, go through security. This is how they did security thousands of years ago. For you to enter the eye of the needle, you know what that meant? You had to take off everything you had, all your clothes, your backpack, all that, just to fit through that little hole. And yes, it's been proven that a, a small camel can actually fit through that. You know what God is saying? If you want to come follow me, you got to be willing to let go of everything in this world. But on the other side are miracles and blessings and favor for the rest of your life. Are you following me today? God is saying, you can't outgive me. You just can't. Here's the last one as we close. And uh, the band's coming up. Here's the last one. When you climb higher, in generosity, so do the miracles. When you climb higher in generosity, so do the miracles. Can, can I tell somebody that God has miracles lined up for you in this church? 
we were going through that season walking in. That same year that we're trying to pay for our new building was one of the worst years of my life. My family was going through a difficult time. One of my kids got, like, just kind of went through a hard time in her life. And, and at the same time, we're, we're trying to pay for all this stuff. My dad, my, my dad's been a pastor his whole life, pastoring longer than most of us have been alive. And I had the joy to have my dad on staff with us at our church. It's the greatest thing in the world. He's the only staff member that can do whatever he wants. Like, literally. It's like, Dad, I would never tell you what to do. Just do whatever you want. And, uh, but my dad, when he was 18 years old, was an alcoholic that got saved at an assembly God church. God set him free from alcohol called him into ministry. He's been preaching for the last 50 years of his life. My dad's had a gift of healing on his life. When my younger brother was born, from his knees down, we're facing backwards. His feet were literally facing the other direction. The doctor said, we're going to do 14 surgeries and surgically turn his legs around. Best case scenario, Forrest Gump brace, he'll be in a brace the rest of his life. But my dad says, I believe in the healing power of God. And he prayed and he prayed and prayed. My brother went through about seven of those surgeries, was in a full body cast. It was only my mom and dad and doctors and nurses. They went to cut off the cast. And when they cut off the cast after surgery number seven, every stitch from that surgery was laying inside the cast. My brother, who did not have straight toes, had five toes on each feet. Ligaments were perfectly healthy. My brother has played football. My brother runs faster than I run today. Can I tell you what doctors said? He would never walk. My, my, my dad would tell you he was completely completely healed because of, of, of the faith in God, completely healed. But it's kind of it's funny, though, that the guy who had a gift of healing has gone through more physical pain in his life than anybody that I know. My dad has gone through more diseases, sicknesses, surgeries, and literally, he's probably been in the hospital through surgeries more than everybody in this room combined. I can't even tell you how many surgeries my dad's had in his life. Well, the year we're moving into our new building, my dad's dying. I'll never forget sitting at a dinner table with my kids, my mom, and him, and he, he lifts up his fork, and as soon as he lifts up his fork, his hand starts shaking like this. His legs start shaking. He falls out of his chair. My mom's freaking out. I pick him up. I call 911. They haul him off to the hospital there for three or four days, let him go. They had no idea what it was. That same thing happened about four to five times in the next four to five weeks. And no one could tell us what was wrong with my dad. He was losing his memory. He was losing his body function. My dad would always sit in the front row when I preached. I got up one Sunday to preach. He leans over to my mom and says, who is that? Is that the pastor? He had totally forgotten who his own son was, who he was, who his grandkids were. We finally took him to UVA, the University of Virginia, uh, to their main medical center. It was the only place that could finally diagnose him. And I met, we met with the head of the neurological department. They sat down and said, your dad has a, a rare, rare disease called Lewy body dementia. And Lewy body dementia is a form of Parkinson and dementia. You lose your mind, you lose your body, you lose everything. It is a death sentence. There is no cure. And this was in May of that year. We're trying to move in the building by August. It was May. They said, hey, your dad's probably not going to make it till the end of the year. Make plans. He'll probably be dead before Christmas. See my mom cry. I remember telling my brothers for the first time on Memorial Day weekend, hey, dad's probably not going to be here. They're crying. It's so tough watching your brothers cry, giving them bad news they didn't know. And, uh, and we prayed and we believed. We prepared for the worst, but we prayed for the best. We're giving. We're being, we're being faithful. We're giving. We're remodeling the church. We're, we're hoping to move in the church in August and July comes. And near the end of July, all I can tell you is this. My dad woke up on a Monday morning feeling better for the first time. Um, we didn't know if that was normal for that, that disease. He started remembering stuff. He started feeling better. Three days later, my dad is telling everybody he's completely healed. And we're like, Dad, chill out. Calm down a little bit. Like, like that. My dad's got faith. But I said, Dad, we don't know about this disease. Let's go back to UVA. So we went to University of Virginia, the same guy that diagnosed him. I'm in the room. 
and, my, and they're doing a full examination over my dad. The guy gets quiet and looks confused. Never get quiet around a preacher. My dad stands up and says, listen, doc, listen, I know you look confused, but we're people of faith, and I believe that I'm healed from Lewy body dementia. The doctor looks at my dad and says, I can't scientifically tell you that that's real, but all I can tell you is I've done a full exam, and you no longer have Lewy body dementia. They sold, told my dad he'd be dead four years ago. My dad is here today. Would y'all welcome my dad as he comes up on the stage? Come on, it's a miracle. The very fact that he's alive four years later, still preaching the gospel, he preaches every year for us at our church. And, and my dad's a walking miracle, but he's also got the gift, a spiritual gift of healing. And I said, Dad, like, I, I didn't even plan for my dad to be here. My whole family was coming. He's like, hey, let me come with you. And I said, well, sure, you never tell your dad no. Sure, you can come. And my dad didn't even know I was sharing this story with you today. And he said, let me come. Well, I said, well, Dad, if you're coming, you got to pray. And so I said, Dad, you've got the gift of healing. I believe there are people in this room right now that need sicknesses and diseases healed, that need doors open, financial breakthrough, marriages restored. I believe in this room is the healing power of Jesus. Are you ready to receive it today? Come on, I want you to lift your hands across this place. I'm going to invite my dad to pray a prayer of faith over you today. We're going to pray and God's going to move. But very, very quickly, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Three things, three very specific things the Lord dropped in my heart. There are some grandparents here today and you have a granddaughter somewhere around six months old that was born with a congenital heart disease. God's healing her this very moment. I don't, she may not even be here. She may not even be in this state, but God is healing her. Secondly, there's someone in this service. You're losing your eyesight. It's been progressive for quite a while, but this past year it's become very aggressive and you're very concerned. And as we pray, God is going to stop that disease and heal your eyes. Thirdly, and I want you to listen carefully, there's someone here today, you have a $100,000 debt that's coming due very soon, and you're worried about it, you're very concerned about it, and the Lord told me to share with you a war strategy he taught me as a young pastor many, many years ago. Now, this isn't biblical, it is biblical, but it's not the biblical tithe. But this is a war strategy God taught me and told me to share it with you. God taught me to tithe not only the first fruits of my income, but to tithe my need. When I come up with an emergency need or something such as this that I don't have, I've learned if I tithe, God will meet that need. And God is saying, if you will tithe $10,000 to the future of this church, he'll meet that $100,000 debt. And I'm just standing on the Word of God with you today. It'll take an act of faith, but if you do it, God will too. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. He not only purchased our salvation, but he purchased our healing and our deliverance and our freedom. And I speak against every form of disease and sickness in this building. To those who are watching online, I just pray that you would release your healing power right now. 
Cancer is dying right now. Eye diseases are disappearing right now. Heart conditions are healed right now in the name of Jesus. There's not a sickness here that you cannot heal. And we commit it to you. Every financial need, every marital problem, God, we bring to the cross. We lay it at your feet. And we thank you today for your miracle provision. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise today? Come on. I just want to pray over you real quick. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the future. I thank you, God, for this Friday night. Lord, I pray that wherever people are at, God, they would take a step of faith in their generosity. And I believe that generosity is going to generate miracles, not only in their life, but in this church. God, I pray over this future building. I pray for the campuses. God, their pastors, I pray over Mike and Ashton that you're going to bless them and their children. God, bless this house. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of favor. This is a house of salvation. This is a house of freedom. This is a house of deliverance. And God, we're going to give you all the the praise and all the glory in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on let's give God's word some praise today thanks again for joining us and thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible you can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com if you've enjoyed the podcast you can subscribe share it with your friends and hey while you're at it take a screenshot and share it on your social stories tag us at my focus church We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.